0: Source. Three people got it. Not too bad. It's only after lunchtime. So we're going to continue our series, The Source. And we started this a few weeks ago, and uh, we're going to have probably today, one more next week, and I think that'll be about it. And we jumped into this series because it all started with a message on patience and waiting well. And there was a phrase that we discussed and that we talked about, and the phrase was experiencing the fullness of God's miraculous faithfulness and His promised provision. And when we don't wait well, we do not we do not get a chance to experience the fullness. Everybody say fullness, fullness, fullness all of it, the fullness we don't wait well and become impatient when we make moves and we just complain a lot and just kind of do our own thing. We miss out on the fullness of God's miraculous faithfulness and His promised provision. He has particular ways, particular timetables, and a particular method that is perfect. And if our comfort rises above his timetable, we can mess things up. And we might be able to get some decent solutions and maybe even bring about a temporary fix. But we'll miss the fullness of experiencing who God is. And we'll miss a really powerful testimony. Which at the end of the day, it's all about his story. Not about my life getting fixed or getting better. Right? Because he cares about our prayers and he wants to see things change that need to change in our lives. But there's a particular way he wants to do it because here's the truth I don't, you don't, we really don't know what's best for us, even though we think we do. Say what? You don't know what's best. Like you think you do. And you may have learned some things throughout life. And I'm not saying that doesn't matter. I'm not saying there's a premium, because it really is, a premium experience. So I gotta listen to just older people. Whether they're even Christians or not, like they have some wisdom. The older Christians that are the older ones that are Christians A little power, a little power outage. Yeah, so whatever. It is like the old days. We're going to sweat together and get crazy. So we think we know what's best for us, but we really don't. Really don't. Like if you were to ask Jaron and Judson right now what's best for them, you will get an answer. <laughs> yeah. More candy, more toys, all kinds of craziness. Let me tell you what. I had probably I heard the best Father's Day conversation the other day between them and their cousins. And by the way, happy Father's Day to everybody if I didn't say it yet. Um so what were they doing? They 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 were doing cards in the house, you know, it's just the way it happens sometimes with the family, right? You just you're doing cards in the house while you're there, it's just whatever. So they're in the other room doing their cards, doing their Father's Day stuff. And I happened to be coming down the stairs. And the cousins are over, and uh, they're there <coughs> making their cards. I come down the stairs. They come over. And, of course, the cousins come for it. never your own kids. It's always somebody else's kids. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. You know, then your kids pick it up. Oh, yeah. That's like what we were doing at the table. We're making you Happy Father's Day cards and stuff. So they come over. And, uh, Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. And I could see Jaron, you know, our oldest, he's like kind of thinking. And Judson tells me Happy Father's Day like 25 times, you know. So I'm like, thank you, bud. Thank you, thank you. And Jaron goes, he's like thinking, and then he goes, Is there a kids' day? It's awesome. So then, yeah. So then, so then one of the cousins, so then Judah, you know, he goes, Yeah, there should be a kids' day. And Jared's like, yeah, we should get a lot of toys on Kids' Day. And then they go into this whole thing. It was the best Father's Day discussion I've ever heard. It was awesome. It was awesome. <clears throat> but they think they know what's best for them. You know what I mean? And, and to be honest with you, you know, our minds and the way we're built and how we are is, is not a whole lot different than us You know, being around toddlers. It's really not that different. It's a lot of similarities. And so if God, the Father, the Creator in heaven... And we, you know, we put these demands on him, we put him in probation, and we think we're going to get back at him, and we get mad, and we have our tantrums, and we have our struggles, and we have our hurts. And many times we just see things at a toddler level. And life is so much different. And I so badly want to experience and know the heart of God, so I cannot just, you know, no Bible verses and cliches, but I have a true lifestyle that says, man, God is truly, miraculously faithful. I have experienced this provision that He only he can bring. And that was the whole idea behind this series, The Source. And so we spent the first week just talking about the oversight of it. Just, hey, here's where we're headed. The Bible says that a lot of us, we make our plans, and we go through life, and we try and do it in our own strength, in our own way. And the Bible calls that, like, trying to fill up broken cisterns or broken pots. You have a limited supply of water, whatever it is, and you try and pour it in there, it's got cracks and it's leaking out. And so we spent our first week just talking about, man, let's just draw from the right place, number one. Let's get something that never ends, an endless supply, and let's put it into something that will not only contain it, but actually will multiply it. So that was the first week. Then the second week, we talked about stewardship. The idea that we've all been entrusted with assignments. Everybody say assignments. assignments. Yeah, we have assignments in our life. And we all have different roles in life where father, Father's Day, mother, grandmother, student, uh, you know, worker, whatever it is, we have these roles. And within those roles, we have an assignment from God of ways that he He wants to see things happen and develop. He has, like, a plan. And we spent that week talking about our assignment, and hopefully we're being good stewards with our assignments. Because before we do anything extraordinary, we have to do, like, the ordinary things really well. And that's much of the way stewardship works. So we talked about that week. Then we did, after that, we did... um, Part one of of finances and money. And that first week we talked about... Whenever you're talking about money, money just magnifies and reflects whatever is happening in our own lives, in our own hearts. So much of the way that we consume and much of the way that we purchase and much of the way that we use things, it reveals what's happening in our own hearts. The amount that we use... And consume and purchase. And the quality to which we use it. So we spent that whole Sunday just talking about, hey, our hearts wake. Wherever Jesus said, wherever your... That's right. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we talked about for a lot of us, for all of us, right? This is the truth. For all of us, we tend to treasure things that might not even be horrible, but aren't best. And it takes real wisdom, and it takes the Holy Spirit to be able to communicate to our hearts what is best and what is maybe, you know, not horrible, but it's good. It's just kind of off the mark. We need the Holy Spirit's leading, his teaching. Say, hey, listen, this is best. best. Spend money on that. Hang out with that person. Actually, don't do what you want it to do right now. Like, don't do that workout. Cheat on your diet for right now. Shut off that TV show. Get out of that thing. Like, do like, right now, this is good. Do this. And like I said, most of the time it's between good and best things, and that's hard to tell. It's all a matter of the heart. An interesting thing is, whatever we treasure, like our hearts are there, so we can actually treasure things that are right. And we talked about that in marriage, especially in Marriage. Because very often, you know, when the, the vows are over and time has gone by and life has happened, life becomes very different. And love then becomes a choice. Not just a feeling. When everybody's dressed up and looks nice and things are going pretty well. Right? It becomes a choice. And God calls those of us, right, that get married or in marriage to treasure the other person, whether they deserve it or not. And, and we can tell very quickly, for those of us that are married, we can tell very quickly how the Spirit is moving and working in our lives, our ability to treasure the other person, regardless of what we're getting back. That's a hard truth, but that's the truth. And like we have to say it, like as, like, as believers and Christians, we have to practice this and we have to do this. This is important. So we talked about that stuff. And then last week, we talked about the... Um, comprehensive, practical, day-to-day ways on how to handle money and finances. Some sort of strategy in place to do well with what we currently have to reflect a faith and relationship that allegedly we have so that way we can be entrusted with more. So we talked about paying a close eye to what comes in. What's your income look like? What is it? Living, giving, saving. We talked about those three areas. You could do lots of spreadsheets with lots of budgeted lines, and that's fine. A lot of times it becomes difficult to maintain really well over time. But if we can do three categories, living, giving, saving, and have a goal for each of them, it's a little bit easier to maintain and handle. And we talked about how we should have goals. And I've heard somebody talk about it, which I think is pretty helpful, first base, second base, third base, home run. Um, honestly, first base is really just getting the process started. Printing off exactly whatever happened in a month, boom, printing it off or writing it down. Every transaction that happens, and then boom, you go right through it. Okay, living, giving, saving, what category? And then you look at everything. That's really like first base, just getting started. Most people won't even do that. Either one, because they're afraid of what they're going to see, and I get that. That's that's a reality. Um, and two, it's just just work. But it's good work. It's good work. It's being a good steward. And then we talked about second base, like let's get somewhere now. It'd be nice, it'd be nice to go 80-10-10. 80% living, 10% saving, 10% giving. And living is, you know, your food, your gas. You know, your oil, going out, doing whatever, just whatever. It's a nice place to start because the Bible has a lot to say about the tithe and 10%. It's not really a mandate in the New Testament. Generosity is really the mandate in the New Testament. An open hand. Being a giver, not a taker. And it's really hard to give when you don't have anything. It's actually really frustrating, too. Because when Jesus takes over your life and he's so good, I mean, you just want to give. And then when so many financial arenas have a hold and they paralyze, it's really hard to do anything. We all right? Touch it twice. There you go. So that's what we talked about last week. Practical ways with money. Third base. This is what it would be pretty awesome to get towards. Julie and I are, are working towards. We're kind of like in the middle of second and third. We're trying to get there. We're trying, trying to do better. Um, and we also talked about, you know, listen, for some people, because there's so much debt, just like man, I, I don't. You might have to start with uh, you know ninety eight one and one. But you have to start. So that's the important thing: is starting. You have to have a goal and a plan in mind. Have to. Um, but being able to go seventy and what would the other two numbers be? 15-15, right? That'd be awesome. And then trying just to increase more and more just be great. I love hearing the stories. And actually, Frankie Keith ran into a guy the other day. I mean, he gives away, I don't know, what 80%, you know, 90%, whatever it is. It's crazy. He has all these properties. He owns all this stuff, like multi-millions. Uh, and I think the phrase that he told Frankie is, he's like, you'd never know by looking at my checking account. He's like, I don't have very much. He gives all of it away to specific churches and ministries. He feels like the assignment and calling on his life, at least during this season, is I'm a supplier. I bring all this money in, and it just goes. And he could, you know, wow. He gets it, right? He gets it. Obviously, he's been a good steward and been in trust. he did well with a little bit. Got to continue to trust him more. It's not a thing for him now. The money doesn't possess or have him. He possesses and has it. And that's the way it's supposed to be with us. And that's the way God is calling us to be. And I really wanted to spend those two weeks on money because I really believe strongly and firmly that God, when it comes to money, God wants us to be in a position of strength, of confidence, and of anointing. It's very important. God wants us to be in a position of strength, of confidence, and of anointing. Because too many Christians, when it comes to money... They're weak, they're frail, they're intimidated. No confidence. And God's like, oh, no, 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 no. Looking for us to be givers. It's really hard to live a life of giving if you don't have anything. Very difficult. Because not only are we supposed to draw from the source, God himself, and live from that source. What happens is that as we are in life, we start to become the source for those around us. We just become what God has been doing. And we give it to those around us. I mean, that's what Christianity is. That's how people know that we're even Christian. Not by how well we preach or how many memory verses we know or how many verses we post on Facebook or whatever. It's about the transformation, right, that happens inside of us and through us, and we just just give it. And sometimes it comes through money. A lot of times it comes through money. become loose with it. So we talked about that stuff. And then now it brings us to this week, which I know I've said it before, but honestly, truly, I don't really think I have much to say on it. Um, Abundance. That's this week. It's just abundance. This idea of abundance. Because it's mentioned and it's talked about a lot in the scripture, and so is poverty. Um, But it's interesting some of the things said about abundance. So let's go to John 10. You're already there, I think. Verse 10. Take a look. And uh, you know what, we're going to pick up in verse 1, just so we get the whole thing. Jesus is talking, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter (coughs) enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. Verse 7, therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Skip to verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So we'll stop there. Um, You can tell right from the passage that uh, you have this situation we're shepherds and sheep, and so it's kind of foreign to us. Unless you really Google it, and you watch some videos, and you kind of see, like, what happens, it's kind of, you know. Um, you can learn a little bit about it, though. Again, with kids, when you're in a crowd, it's amazing to me how they can just pick out parents' voices. You know, you can just be, like, at the Big E or some carnival or something and be like, hey! You know, and they're like, your kid, like, they know. <laughs> they know. Or pets know. You know what I mean? Like, being you like in old crowd and the whole thing, like, pets, they just know your voice. Like, they just... And, and Jesus saying, hey, listen, like, that's the way it's, it should be you know, with my followers, with those that, that call themselves um, children of me, fathers of me, disciples. They just know my voice, and they recognize that. And, and, and they, the other voices, they don't even pay attention to. It's not even appealing. They don't want to because they know who the good shepherd is. They know the one that will die for them. They know the other one is just they, its just their job. They just get paid to do it and so they don't really care. Once the money is gone, they're gone. And so Jesus saying, hey, listen, like, that's the way it's got to be with those that follow me. And that's honestly the way it is. I lay down my life and I have and I will and I'm a good shepherd and he's saying he's a good, good father. Right? And the phrase that's interesting to me is that he says, I came uh, to give life And to give it uh, to the full. And some version says abundantly. It's interesting to me. Um, That idea of abundance. I forget what the Greek word is. something with a P. I don't remember. But I did spend some time with it. I can tell you that. And um, some other synonyms for this word abundance. Beyond measure... unnecessary, like more than enough. Um, Excessive. So it's interesting to me that Jesus would say something like that. Um, I have come to give them life and to give them life abundantly, excessively. Like unnecessarily a lot. It's interesting to me. And I do believe, and I am not Preaching and telling you this morning that, you know, Jesus wants to unnecessarily give us so much money that we will drown in it. Like, I don't think at all that's what he's saying. I think he's talking about an abundant life. A prosperity. And I know that's like, you know, a buzzword in, you know, churches and things right now. Prosperity teaching. There's some prosperity teaching that I like, and there's some I really don't like. I don't like the prosperity teaching that's like, uh, um, you know, name it, claim it, drive it. Like, I don't, (laughs) it's not cool. It's not cool. But, but, God will definitely provide very nice things. And we can ask him for nice things. Like I said, I promise you in heaven, there's not going to be garbage up there. God did not go to the dollar store and get our mansion ready. Not that the dollar store is bad. But I'm saying there's like nice stuff. It's excellent and perfect. Don't be surprised if that spills over onto your life on this earth. And don't feel guilty and apologetic about it. God might actually just give you excellent and awesome stuff just because he loves you. He also might take it away because it's very important that the stuff doesn't have us, very, like utmost importance. A couple of verses here, the Bible talks about this idea of abundance, and um, and I want to try and read a couple of these. They're just short verses here. Just this idea of abundance. In Psalm 23, verse 5, you know, Psalm 23 is the famous psalm. It says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. In John 7, 38, it talks about how there's going to be springs of living water that erupt within a person who believes in Jesus Christ. And in Philippians 4, 19, it specifically says that all of your needs will be met. You know, there's this idea that there is this true abundance, that there's this excess. And it's a reality. And I think it's very important for us to be aware of the reality, be encouraged by it, and be encouraged by it. Here's why. is because I think if we're going to do this idea of the source and truly live from the source and truly allow God to do a work in us so he could do a work through us, it's a lot easier to really believe it and be all in if you really felt that you had an abundance to work with. If you felt like you had a limited amount of emotions, you would treat people that way. If you feel like your forgiveness forgiveness-o-meter, if there is such a thing, can only take so much, people will only get so much. Right? If we feel like our finances can only go to some point, it will only go to that point. If we feel like I'm only going to meet a person and it's only going to get that. People a lot of times settle in relationships, right? There's a newsflash. But that happens, right? For whatever reason. And so like much of the idea before you get married right, is trying to like, actually meet and like, get to know the right person and not settle. So people, some people going in, they don't think too much of themselves and they're like, well, I guess that's like, kind of all that's probably going to happen for me. How many people know that doesn't work out good? Right? And how many people also know And when you're in the relationship and things take a turn maybe a way you never saw coming, and maybe it took a turn that way for a long time and been bad for a while. Kind of just want to check out and just like be minimal. If there's a reality of this idea of abundance, that idea to check out and be minimal isn't that tempting. That voice isn't that tempting. Because there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians, I think kind of their best days are behind them. They had some like good seasons and, you know, it's just, I'll just do some stuff here and there, you know. I mean, Jesus said that whoever comes to me from within them will overflow, overflow springs of living water. I don't care if you're 85 and knocking on death's door or if you're 15 and crazy. That doesn't mean every day will be like that. But it does mean that when we understand how to truly draw from heaven, from the source that is inexhaustible, that is known for abundance, that is known for not only meeting these, but many times going beyond, I don't know, it's super encouraging. And life feels a lot lighter. Because you don't, you don't feel like you just, you only got so much. In the natural, it's true, you only have so much. I only got so much time, I only got so much energy, I only have so much talent. And most of us are pretty keenly aware of where our inadequacies are. And the miracle is letting God just say, yes, I, I know. I'm aware of your inadequacies. I see that. Thank you that you see that and you're crying out to me, but this is what we're doing. I just love when Jesus feeds twice. Feeds thousands of people on a hill. And, you know, they're all there and they want to eat and Jesus goes to them and he says, hey, listen, what are we going to do? This is question. And they're like, well, we don't have money. I don't have money. And like, we don't have anything. And he's like, ah, you know. He's just testing them. He's just seeing, like, where they're at. And many times we're in places and situations in life, and he's like, well, what are you going to do? And I can remember too many seasons of my own young life where it's like, "Mm, I don't know, I got this, I got that, you know, use this and do that. And, And now you got the internet, so now you got Google on your side, so you can use that too, and other people and other resources. And lots of times. Now, what I'm trying to do, and I hope what you're trying to do is, when a situation or a person or a relationship or whatever feels like it's not worth it to deal with anymore, it's not worth it Like to do, I don't want to venture down, it's such a mess, I don't want to deal with that, I'm so tired. I've dealt with it before and I don't want to. That's like, that's called checking out. That's not living from abundance. And that's truly not drawn from the source. Because I promise you, I promise you, is there any verse in the New Testament where you ever heard Jesus talk like that or even think like that? These guys are all losers. (laughs) Three years, they've seen everything. I've told them everything. And who's at the cross when he dies? A few women and one of the guys. When we're drawn from the source, life is very, very different. It's very different. We talk differently. We think differently. There's not much room for quitting. And he encourages our hearts to go further because he will carry us. Because there's no lack in the supply. But there's a lot of lack in our strength. And God likes to set up a lot of things to where we really truly come to the end of ourselves and are at our wit's end. And it's a good day when the Christian runs out of resources. It's a good day. Because now, now there's nothing left but actually really trusting in who he is and what he does. So, I thought about this uh, thing of uh, you know, abundance a little bit. Um, two thoughts about it. One is um, there's this super abundance and quantity that God is able to do. My cup runneth over, springs of living water that just come out, feeding 5,000 with you know, five loaves and two fish. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. Super abundant in quantity. Sometimes, some seasons, some ways, some people, some lives <coughs> can be super abundant in quantity. And uh, God may bring it and you don't have to apologize for it. Uh, but I can promise you, like, you know, he, he gives us things and we're called to be the source and to be open, have it filter through us, have it do what it's going to do. And um, I don't know, it's a reality that happens. It happens. And I don't think it's wrong to even pray and ask God for that. Say, God, I want you to bless me with an increase in finances, more money, more resources, so I can be just a better giver. So I can just do more. It's not a bad prayer. And God, you know, very well might say, okay, but your budget sucks. So guess what? We need to work on that. Because you, you just, you don't get it yet. So many people think, like, we think we're abundant and we're doing well and we feel powerful when we feel like we, have, we can purchase whatever we want, whenever we want, our purchasing power. Can you imagine if you just walked around thinking like that? He made a gold coin just come out of a fish's mouth. He's not concerned with purchasing power and status. He knows who his source is. And when the time arises, he will have what he needs. Not just monetarily and physically, emotionally, mentally, his whole being. It's a broad promise on purpose. My God will supply all of your needs in Christ Jesus. All of your needs. So this idea of abundance and quantity, it happens. Sometimes there's a lot. Sometimes there's a little. Hopefully we know what to do when there's a lot. That's why there's sad stories you see these athletes, you know, musicians and actors that we talked about before, they get all this. They get quantity. I'm not a it. They never had quantity before. You know, and then 20 years, they're broke. It's like, ah, oh, sad, right? <clears throat> super abundant in quantity, superior in quality. Superior in quality. There's this idea of abundance where you can just—it's like we said, super abundant in quantity. It can just cover masses like crazy. And then there's this idea of it's just—it's top-notch quality, like top shelf. Super nice, like crazy. And, and I get that idea. Um, it's also in the book of John. It's John 6, uh, 35. It's, Jesus says this. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I don't know about what kind of quality uh, bread and water he's got going on, but that's pretty intense. Never go hungry, never go thirsty. Um, and Jesus wasn't talking about, hey, listen, if you take communion the right way, you know, one time, like you're good for eating and drinking forever. <clears throat> Jesus, he napped, he ate, right? He drank. It's not like he said, I don't ever have to eat, you know? Like, he did. What he is saying, he's saying when, right, you eat from my words and you feast on my truth, And you drink from who I am and the life that I've modeled, you won't be chasing anything else. You are hooked. Hooked. And that's why it's detrimental for us to not experience the fullness. We say fullness. Yeah, it's, it's detrimental for us to not experience the fullness of what God can really do in our lives because we get impatient, because we get frustrated, because we get discouraged, because we procrastinate, because we make excuses. It's detrimental to us. And you can still go to heaven, you can still be your savior, but you're going to miss out on the fullness of the good shepherd and the abundance of what he wants to do and what he wants to bring. Too many Christians go that route and it's sad. We don't have to. There's one voice. One voice. So how do we get some abundant life receiving, receiving? Number one, got to become born again. Got to become born again. That's the only way you receive abundant life. That's step one. It has to happen. You have to be born again. In the spiritual sense, where you start your life over you say, God, I did life before this way. Now, I'm going to actually do life the way you say because you're my king and my savior and you paid a debt I could never pay. I think you are the good shepherd. So I'm following you. That's being born again. And Jesus, he said that here. We read that um, in John 10 where he said, I am the gate. And he also says it in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. To say, listen. If anybody wants to inherit salvation and eternal life, like they got to be born again. It has to happen. That's step one, right? Step two. After that's taken care of, this abundant life, we got to fix our focus on one voice. Fix your focus on one voice. That's a. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. But it's not impossible. Everybody say not impossible. Not impossible. It's not impossible not impossible very doable in fact it gets easier as you continue as the momentum is going it becomes a lot easier but if you're always waiting for that perfect time when you can do this and do that and have the stars align and you know whatever we got all these excuses we just make stupid excuses for things all the time or maybe I'm the only one but I see a couple smiles so I know We just do stupid things with dumb excuses. God is like, stop being a toddler. Will you just grow up already? Take some ownership and get on this. There's an abundant life. Let's do this. That's some good news, right? It kind of stinks for our flesh, but it's a reality. It's true. And I feel like this message was really important because I did feel like God made it clear to my heart that there are some people that want to check out they to make too many excuses. They're just living minimally in a way that God is just really not calling them to. It's really not representing him well at all. But it's just, just selling yourself short. The good news is, hopefully, some hearts or a heart or somebody will respond today and say, I'm "Tired of doing it that way. I don't want to." So become born again. Fix your focus on one voice. Last thing is, you can't just be listening all that. Once you just actually get into the voice and you're listening, it's a really great place to be. Super encourages your heart. Puts your mind in a really good place. But if you just become listening all the time, you're just going to maybe grow in knowledge and becomes kind of self-centered actually too. It can do that actually really quickly. And the goal for us is not to just absorb all this stuff from God. The goal for us is to become these things. That's next level. Everybody say next level. Next level. I don't want to play varsity. I'm not interested in JV. Right? JV stinks. I mean, you yeah. sometimes you got to do it, but it's just the goal is to get varsity. Become, become it. Become, become the love. Become the forgiveness. You're a source of it. We become a source of it because heaven has come into our homes. Has come into our hearts man, I want to give up on you, but I won't. It seems like a total waste of time. You have so many issues and problems. Where do we even start with the amount of issues? Heaven says, okay, we're going to start somewhere. Boom, we're starting here. Time to chip away. Just like our message on Maple, that disgusting spot, all that overgrown nonsense, you know. It's like, ah, such a disaster. I just want to quit. Like, wow, why did we sign up for this? Pastor, that was a bad idea. May have been, but you know what? I'm going to go after that sucker. I'll tell you what. So you don't want to just listen; you want a number three as John Wimber, old school guy, vineyard guy. You may have heard of the Vineyard Church, you may have not. His phrase that he was popular for is "do the stuff." Doing the stuff is what he used to call it. And when he said "doing the stuff," what that meant is actually putting it to practice. What Jesus said, putting into practice His promises, praying over people, praying out loud, encouraging people, using your gifts in like whatever way, like get to doing it, doing the stuff, doing the stuff. So three things, right? Born again. Number one's got to happen. Got to fix your focus on one voice. And then number three, right? We got to do the stuff. And two and three kind of go in different order, and depending on how life goes, it can look differently. Um, sometimes you might just be in a season you just doing more things, sometimes you just be listening for a while so it might be a combination of both There's no like strange formula to it. These are just encouragements to equip you guys um, but I pro- but number one 's got to get done first number one's got to get done first um, so. I wanted to uh, spend a couple of minutes uh, singing a song before we close. The song is all about, it's it's really all about drawing from the the source. It's about, you know, who we hide with, hopefully hide with God and not somewhere else. Who's the anchor of our soul? Um, Where we really draw from, where we run to. I want to sing about that for a little bit because it's about the source, definitely. And we want to get our lives into patterns of good behaviors that going to the right place. Thinking about that first, going there first. So I want to sing about that. Um, we're going to do communion right after that. And um, yeah, you can feel free to sing along. The words will be up there. And yeah, the focus of the song is about God's goodness. Let me say God's goodness. God. Yeah, he's our father. He's so good. And when we can come to a place and say, Lord, I trust your intentions and I trust your heart, it's really powerful. Because if we really believed how good he is, it changes a lot of stuff. It changes a lot of stuff. And sometimes we need to just sing it. We just need to sing it. So we'll sing it together. Then we we'll gonna do communion. And then I guess, as Christine said, nobody can leave. We have to go downstairs after. So, you don't want to make her mad. So... <laughs> All right, Austin, you can play that.